Welcome to the latest episode of Data Unchained. I'm your host, Molly Presley. A little bit about what Data Unchained and this podcast is all about. The paradigm for a data access has really changed over the last several years. There was the advent of the cloud, then COVID came along, and remote users became really a standard type of environment that organizations and data-driven workloads are trying to grapple with. And that's what this podcast is all about. In today's decentralized world, how do we get data to distributed applications, remote compute sites, and into the cloud? Data Unchained digs into the challenges as well as the solutions into making data a global asset. Today, we have a longtime um, colleague that I've worked with from Hyperion Research, Mark Nasikov, joining us. Mark is the research director over there at Hyperion and joining us from Colorado. Thank you for joining us today, Mark. Hi, Molly. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So before we jump into Hyperion and talking about data, can you tell us just a little bit about your background? Sure. Um, um, I, as you indicated, I'm currently a research director with Hyperion Research, but in the past, I come up out of the data storage realm. I spent a number of years uh, uh, designing, marketing, uh, strategic planning for uh, data storage systems uh, for both enterprise workloads and HPC uh, applications and workloads. Uh, that, and that encompassed both engineering activity and marketing activity and, and strategic planning uh, uh, of, the, of the solutions and technology. So it seems like, Mark, you know, with the background that you have, that I've also been in HPC for a long time. And for a long time, it felt like things didn't change that fast. Lots of innovative research was coming out of HPC, but in the architectures themselves, aside from faster drive devices, faster networks, faster compute cycles, HPC really didn't change that much until just recently. Does is that how you've started to observe it as well? Yeah, to a certain degree. The, certainly, the um, a lot of the technological and architectural advances start uh, at the high end in the HPC space from the leadership computing, uh, driven largely by some of the government labs. Uh, driving faster processor speeds, the, the newer networks, uh, the need for higher capacity and faster storage devices. Um, but the workloads themselves had been largely uh, the, the physics-driven modeling and simulations for uh, whether it be for um, new, uh, you know, manufacturing area of automotive and aerospace. Um, and new product design. Uh, but more recently, with the advent of, of AI and uh, workloads driving different types of uh, profiles that are running on these machines are also driving new requirements for um, uh, for the architectures. And maybe I should back up a little bit, too, and kind of explain what uh, HPC kind of means to us. Um, the, um, the hardware is interesting uh, and certainly fascinating, the speeds and feeds and, and uh, all the various elements that, that go into it. But as we look and talk about HPC, it is more about the workloads that are running on the machines and on the architecture. It's uh, and, may, and maybe it's also helpful to describe what HP is not. HPC is not. I mean, it's not your running your payroll. It's not the email system. It's not the general ledger accounting. It it is the advanced uh, type of engineering um, and science and research that's being done to um, you know to try to solve some of the largest uh, problems addressing the world today. 
And I think that's an interesting evolution. You talked about the physics types of workloads, particle accelerators, all those types of things. But when you look at the HPC market today, do most enterprises use HPC technologies or just a subset? I would say it's growing. Um, traditionally, the they've been um, the HPC has been used largely by the large manufacturers, car manufacturers, airline manufacturers, um, in the bioscience and healthcare area as well. In um, you know the the studies to identify cures and vaccines for uh, for various uh, maladies. Um, but more and more as AI has, is being adopted, uh, the, what would have been considered more the traditional enterprise IT, they are uh, finding ways to apply and adapt AI to their businesses. And that type of AI workload requires a, a different type of architecture uh, and, and support structure and, and data sharing environment than what uh, traditional enterprise IT has uh, uh, infrastructure and data centers provided. So we are seeing an uptake and an increase of the uh, of the user base, if you will, um, adopting more HPE, HPC oriented architecture um, uh, than just the traditional government labs or large scale uh, manufacturers. Yeah, I find it interesting. We have a lot of very smart, talented people who join this podcast. And <clears throat> just in the last few episodes, we've had folks join the podcast that are not just experts or PhDs in their line of business. So whether it's genomics PhD or something like that, but also have a long history in HPC. And it's interesting that dual role, whether it's an animation studio who is creating Hollywood content and using HPC to render and process jobs, or if it's a PhD in genomics research who's building out an infrastructure to share COVID data, it seems like that dual role is becoming more and more common and we need the HPC technologies for them to really get their work done. Yeah, exactly. And I think some of that's driving some of the evolving architectures because each of those areas uh, require and placing different and new um, demands on, on the architecture. So, uh, and not only demands on the architecture, but where the data is being created uh, and utilized and shared has is is maybe even the, the larger uh, change that's occurred over that's occurring um, over the in recent in recent years. So Hyperion recently produced a paper, and we'll include it in the show notes for folks to be able to access it. And but we'll be talking about it a little bit here in today's podcast in 2023. If you can kind of just summarize. Um, kind of the workloads and how AI are going to influence HPC. Maybe we could start there. Sure. I mean, the, the various workloads, uh, especially AI, are um, are just driving huge demands on the systems. The, the vast amounts of data that are being collected to be able to drive um, accurate uh, AI models um, and where that data is being generated, whether it's um, you know, data being collected from the satellites for uh, uh, for the large scale uh, array for astronomy and uh, type of research, or um, I just saw a use case today where um, you know the video cameras located all around cities that are capturing uh, real time streaming data that's then processed to um, identify obstacles to to better help uh, visually impaired people traverse the city. Uh, in a smart city kind of application. Um, all of those are, are new. Oh, well, the astronomy one isn't quite as new, but certainly the, uh, the, the smart city one is, is, is much more recent in, in driving different requirements uh, for, uh, for processing the data, for 
um, training these large-scale AI models and then making the, the models available and useful for, uh, for the, the users and application of them. So where do these AI models run? Are they something that HPC institutes have in their data centers? Are they taking advantage of cloud technologies? It's it's a little it's a bit of both. Uh, I think there's an awful lot of uh, AI activity occurring in the cloud now, as much for experiment experimentation and understanding of what what users can do and and organizations can can leverage for. Um, they they the the organizations don't know yet uh, the power of it or the the act. The application of it or what they would their uh, actual requirements are so the ability to leverage the the latest and greatest technology that's that's afforded and, and available to them via the cloud uh, for them to to learn and understand uh, uh, for their various use cases is is quite attractive I find AI interesting of course with all the chat.ai and different types of technologies like that they're in the news right now I think everyone is reading about it right now. And we've certainly been hearing about it in movies and everywhere in between for the last several years. But how is AI being really, really being used? What is the output of these models doing to science or doing for enterprise? Well, it's 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 interesting when we think uh, uh, about the overlap and intersection of AI and HPC. We kind of think about it in two different perspectives. There's HPC-enabled AI and AI-enabled HPC. So the HPC enabled AI is, is taking these the infrastructure and these machines and making them available for the, the models to be, um, developed and run and just processing the massive amounts of data for the, uh, to get the accuracy needed to, to reliably and confidently, um, you know, be able to support the self-driving vehicles and, uh, and other types of applications for, for AI. Uh, on the other side, the AI-enabled HPC is is the notion of uh, taking a look at large data sets, um, but then and and the large number of different types of simulations that that can be done either for Monte Carlo analysis or maybe even some of the. Uh, uh, weather forecasting and, and items that go into weather forecasting. And rather than doing a brute force HPC large scale modeling and simulation across the entirety of the, the data sets and data points, AI can help um, identify those areas that are most likely to produce the best results in the model and then, and thus limit the amount of data that needs to be, uh, go through the, um, the, the brute force process and, and get the work done faster, get it done more uh, sustainably using less energy if it's being done faster. Uh, so there's all there's all sorts of benefits of, of AI from that perspective too. Interesting. I, I think about with some of the customers and programs that we work on at Hammerspace where there really is different ways that AI is being implemented. And some is on distilling which data is even valuable to go yeah. do something with. And then mm -hmm. there's the other part of, okay, I want to do something with it. Now let's process it and get interesting results out of it. And that leads to technology is often running in a lot of places. Some is at the edge, some is in an HPC center, some is in the cloud. Um, when you think about data is everywhere and an organization is trying to get information or results off of it, what kind of pain points are you running into related to sharing, security, yeah, so there's a, a number there. You, you never mentioned two of them, the sharing and the security. Uh, and there, there's, uh, the, you know, the end, end of the day, what may be the most important of the cost aspect of it. Um, 
where is the data? Where can it be best? Where, where is it needed? And when is it needed there? So we'll, we'll back up a little bit and kind of unpack each individually. The, you know, the security aspect of it is, you know, the, the data is, can be a company's business. So, uh, the, so being able to protect it and only have those, uh, folks access it that are able to access it. Uh, there's also compliance and governance um, issues that need to be considered, whether it be uh, country level or regional level for certain types of data can only stay within certain regions. Um, so those aspects need to be identified and understood. Um, there's the then the flip side of that, there's there's the notion of the data, the more the more people that can access and, and uh, process the data, the more beneficial that data is. So a collaborate collaboration aspect in being able to get all of the data in a timely fashion, economical fashion, uh, reliable fashion to um, all the, the sites and constituents that can that can act upon it and 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 generate the, the research, the uh, the science, the engineering, the the video content, um, uh, all the better. Then, um, lastly, I mentioned I mentioned the cost aspect too. That in going to in going to the cloud, um, there having access to the latest and greatest technology is of a great value to users. Uh, but sometimes, what's not always visible, not always transparent, is the cost of the data and the data movement. Um, for getting it to where it needs to be uh, in in the timely fashion. So um, sometimes it's good to move the data to the compute. Other times it's best to to move the compute to where the the, the data is to have some at least a first order uh, analysis of processing on the data before it gets uh, passed up uh, onto the cloud or back to an on premises data center. So with this the rise of data orchestration systems who are moving data around, creating metadata, that's maybe being enriched by IAI, things like that. How is that changing HPC? Do you think that we're going to see this kind of critical mass around an HPC center? Do you see that it's maybe kind of not in the cloud per se, but that that it's going to be a lot more nimble? Do you have any predictions on that? Yeah, I think it, I think it, it, it will be. I think there will always be a need for on-premises HPC infrastructure for uh, for the the sites um, and organizations that have a, a very focused activity that um, that can really utilize um, uh, a large percentage, 80, 90 percent consistently utilization of of their system. It can be more cost effective and more economical to 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 run their workloads um, on premises. But as uh, as some of the cost of the the um, especially the the leadership class systems continue to increase, um, and the utilization might not be uh, uh, that as high, uh, then the the nimbleness and the flexibility and being able to dynam dynamically uh, utilize resources in the cloud um, uh, becomes more and more more and more attractive. Uh, both from a uh, just the the raw you know cost of the of the of the of the infrastructure, but also the the management of it. Uh, do organizations want to invest in the knowledge of the HPC and running the HPC, and and do they want to deal with the, the actual physical uh, plant of power and cooling and uh, and that aspect of it, or 
or are their resources better spent on on their core competencies and then being able to leverage a uh, pay-as-you-go model and leverage um, other sites that uh, their area of expertise is more attuned to the the infrastructure and provisioning of the of the resource you you were talking about you know the, it sounds super complicated and we're definitely in a world where with the idea of SaaS applications and tools to simplify access to technology. Are you seeing that HPC is becoming more accessible to those who don't know how to build out these systems and write the applications and all the tooling? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's from a number of perspectives there. You mentioned that that the SaaS, that the software as a service, or also there's you also hear infrastructure as a service and platform as a service and and even HPC as a service uh in in some circles. But uh they each give uh users a kind of a an entree or entry point into the level of of expertise they want or think or think they, they need to have. The um this also kind of touches too upon uh, a, a trend that uh, that is a, an unfortunate trend is um, it being becoming much more difficult to identify and retain HPC talent to be able to set up, uh, understand, uh, identify the architectures, set up, maintain, deploy uh, the, the 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 HPC itself. So this as a service um, helps both. Financially, for those that don't have the capex to really invest uh, largely on site and move it more to an op uh, an opex model uh, and a pay as you go type model, but also um, allows a more focused um, uh, stream for their for their resources investment to focus on their core competency versus maybe something that they uh, that they can best uh, better out, um, outsource. That makes sense. Where does the edge fit into all of this data? You know, I think we all would agree that there's a massive amount of data, maybe more data being created at the edge than anywhere else these days. How does that fit into these architectures? The idea of, you know, you want to process some data to be able to drive results, whether it's a physics project or anything else. Um, or is much of the data from the edge being included in that? It more and more it is. I the the uh, the use case I mentioned earlier, as far as the cameras mounted on streetlights and uh, um, and stoplights, doing the uh, capturing that real time video that then gets sent back for the processing, either in the, the edge server, a near edge server, or uh, to train the model back in uh, uh, back in the cloud or on prem that then updates the inferencing that can occur to help the visually impaired uh, navigate the city. Um, you've got the uh, I mentioned the, the the square kilometer array as well, capturing all of the um, uh, the data from you know what it's collecting from scanning the skies. Another recent uh, I just came back from visiting a couple of sites uh, in Europe, and one of the the weather sites uh, commented that um, they are gathering data from 800 million uh, uh, data sources a day, uh, 800 million. Um, sensors or sources from globally that then feed in and come back into their ensemble of uh, simulations to that put together the, the weather forecast model so the edge is the edge is there it's kind of always been there but it's even becoming more more critical as um some of these ai type of applications are being uh deployed 
in, in manufacturing quality control or um, other types of smart city applications, retail applications, um, real-time marketing uh, as targeted marketing for, um, for various uh, applications as well. Gotcha. So I was, I'm at my company kickoff meeting right now. I'm out in Santa Clara and Blue Origin was here talking yesterday and talking about kind of some of the concepts that we've been talking about here today. But then it seems to be a common theme now that people are starting to think about what does the edge look like as it gets out into space, whether it's in lower earth orbit, deep space, you know, and people are starting to think about these things. And what, if we had a you know, a, a base on the moon, how would you get data to and from it and things like that. And I know in, you're fortunate to get to speak to a lot of folks at companies like NASA or organizations like NASA and whatnot as well. As you think mm-hmm. about what's coming next, do you see those types of challenges starting to be tackled as well in the HPC community? Yeah, I, I think so. That, that's certainly a, a factor being considered in their next, uh, you know, their next uh, procurements and, and how to best uh, uh, outfit their uh, their infrastructure. I mean, you can, uh, I think, um, wasn't HPE put a, uh, their, their spaceborne computer is up on the International Space Station now. So one hmm. could argue that it's kind of already started. Interesting. <laughs> um, I didn't know that. That's in interesting. A, uh, in, a, in a very real sense. Uh uh, for uh, for some types of, of of activity there. Yeah, I was looking at AWS recently launched a satellite ground station kind of ingest point for satellite data to get efficiently to Earth, and then it has AI processing to figure out which of that information is valuable, so then can get passed along. That's something I'm really excited about that I see coming down in the industry. What other trends do you see coming up that you're excited about? Well, just just all sorts of what 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 uh, the smart people are are coming up with to utilize the, the all the power that's that's uh, coming about um, from the uh, the new technologies in HPC. The the life science and bioscience area is fascinating, just from a a, a public health and safety aspect, from being able to uh, quickly identify causes of of illness and then. Um, uh, really do uh, pinpoint where to look for the vaccine and or cure for for something. Um, the development of uh, of new and unique materials to um, uh, for uh, for various uh, whether it be battery designs for uh, um, uh, greener energy, um, other types of uh, what what's being done in the various weather and climate research activity to. Uh, address sustainability from from a number of aspects. Um, just the, just the the application of the of everything for uh, for the betterment of society is is exciting. It definitely is. So as we wrap things up, can you point to a few places as folks who listen to the show are looking to learn more, maybe delve into some of the research? Who, where in the Hyperion research or other places in the community should they go to learn a little bit more? Well, I think Hyperion is a good place to start. We are a um, a market analyst, uh, industry re- industry analyst, market research firm that uh, you know provides insights into HPC, and we use HPC kind of almost as a a, a catch all that also includes the related activities of quantum uh, and AI and cloud adoption. Um, uh, we also uh, promote and sponsor uh, the HPC user forums. You, you mentioned, uh, I think, one earlier uh, we had recently in Paris. Uh, we have one coming up in April in, in Princeton, New Jersey, that uh, uh, folks are welcome to attend uh, um, as um, and, and learn more. Um, 
you know, very, there are various news outlets uh, that uh, can that continuously uh, uh, cover the industry inside HPC, HPC Wire, or two in particular that are of uh, of uh, um, uh, cover the industry very well. And uh, so there's there's lots of lots of opportunity to to learn and 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 grow in in the HPC knowledge. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining. Uh, for those of you on the show, we'll be including a link to the 23 predictions in the show notes if you want to go take a look at that. And then, Mark, if an enterprise, an IT architect, a H- whoever it might be is listening to the show, is interested in engaging with you personally, is is there a way to speak to the analysts at Hyperion or is it kind of gated through your website and through your research content? Well, we do. It is it is somewhat gated. Um, we're happy to respond to inquiries. Um, uh, you can uh, in the show notes. Uh, uh, feel free to please provide my name and contact information. I'm happy to uh, to talk to folks directly. Um, we also have uh, the info at Hyperion Research HyperionRes.com uh, uh, that that folks can uh, can access. Um, the website has, has certain amounts of information. And then I also mentioned the HPC user forum has its own independent website for, uh, for various uh, content and, and uh, um, uh, education as well. Okay, great. And I definitely will make a pitch for the user forum myself that I attend those as often as I'm able. And I usually am able to comprehend about 70% of what's discussed <laughs> is some really smart people on <laughs> building quantum computers and whatnot. But what's great is this community has been deploying large scale data solutions and data insights for decades and is a great place that we can all go to learn from that knowledge and a great place where you can ask questions of those who maybe been doing it for a while. So I definitely recommend looking those up. Mark, thank you for joining the show. And to all of our audience, thank you for downloading this episode. Thanks, Molly. Appreciate it. You take care. Thanks for listening to Data Unchained, powered by Hammerspace. To learn more, visit hammerspace.com. If you have a guest you would like to hear on the show, email me at molly at hammerspace.com. Music